1: And we return to our american stories up next you're going to hear the story of a woman who took her own traumatic story and turned it into something truly beautiful for so many here's monica kelsey the founder and ceo of safe haven baby boxes
0: i wasn't really told much growing up other than My birth parents were young in love and couldn't care for me, so they placed me for adoption. And that's what my parents were told when they adopted me, to protect me. And so my whole life growing up, I felt like I had this fairy tale family waiting for me when I turned 18 and my birth records would be opened. And, you know, they loved me so much, they placed me for adoption. And I didn't realize that that was gonna be the farthest thing from the truth. I'm gonna take you back to August of 1972, when a young 17 year old girl was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And she pressed charges against the man who had raped her and he was arrested and he was charged. And then when she was finally getting her life back to normal, she finds out she's pregnant. And she was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy. And she gave birth in April of 1973 and abandoned her child two hours after that child was born. And, and that child was me. I graduated high school. I joined the United States military. I spent eight years defending my country and then got out of the military, met the love of my life, started a family, and then joined the fire service and became a firefighter and a medic. And having my own kids really kind of opened me up to finding my beginnings, finding out who I was, finding out my story. So I started the long journey of looking for my biological mother. And I actually found her when I was 37 years old. And that became the best and the worst day of my life because that is truly when I learned the circumstances of my birth. Being 17 and and pregnant was looked at differently back in 1972. Your family was looked at differently. And so she had a lot of challenges. The answer to the problem of her being pregnant was her mother set up an appointment at a back alley abortion facility in October of 1972. But while standing in front of the man that was gonna take her child's life, she changed her mind. She walked out of that facility, her her mother was very angry with her, and she never looked back. And I'm very thankful for that. I spent about three years getting to know her and i got a call i was on the ambulance one night as a medic and and i got a call that she wasn't doing well i immediately left work and headed to the hospital and when i arrived she was on a ventilator fighting for her life this woman that was laying in front of me the way we dealt with it was we called each other girlfriend and so i kissed her on her cheek and i said i love you girlfriend you are my hero and a tear ran down her cheek you know, She was there when, when I took my first breath, and I was holding her hand when she took her last. And how amazing is it for Christ to have allowed me to be there for her at her weakest moment, as she was there for me and mine in 1972, when I needed her the most to, to see my worth. But getting to know her really did kind of shape me, because she gave me the empathy that I needed to do what I do today. About seven months later, I was asked if I wanted to go to a speaking tour to Cape Town, South Africa. I was still dealing with the aftermath of finding my worth and, and finding my purpose, but I decided to go on the speaking tour. And while I was walking into this church in Cape Town, South Africa, now this is the only church in Cape Town that had what they called a baby safe. And as I'm walking in and and it just looked like a mail drop, I was like, what is this and what is it used for? And she's, the, the woman that was walking us in, she said, well, women come here at night and they place their children inside and and they leave their children here, their, their infants here, so that their child's life will go on. And then someone from the church adopts these kids. And, I, you know, being a medic and a firefighter, I always knew about the safe haven law in America where a woman can walk into any fire station, hospital, or police station and hand the child to a person and turn around and walk away and... and not be prosecuted, but I I had never seen anything like this before, ever. In America today, we are finding a baby every three days. And these are newborns. These aren't one-year-olds. These aren't six-month-olds. These are 30 days old or less newborns. Some of them placenta still attached. And you know, when we passed the Safe Haven Law, in 1999, this law was passed and it was a good law. It was something to keep babies out of dumpsters and trash cans. But the problem with it was, is no one one was doing education on it. There was no money for people to go around the country and educate kids, fire stations, hospitals. Basically, the lawmakers made laws in all 50 states and said, well, here you go, here's the law. You're taking kids now at fire stations. And firefighters were like, what? And then you got kids in high school that never even heard about it because no one was ever talking about it. So of course, abandonments continued to happen. And when I came along back in 2015, I started looking at the statistics of the abandoned babies. I started to find interest in knowing where these babies were being left. Where were they being dumped? And about half of them were being left at the doors of safe places. There was a baby that was left at the door of a fire station. This baby was in a duffel bag laid at the door of a fire station now why would a woman take a baby to a fire station there's only one reason it's so this baby would be found and this baby could be taken care of unfortunately when the firefighters finally found this baby outside their door this baby was dead this mother clearly wanted something better for her child but she didn't want to talk to the fire guys she didn't want to go face to face with them she didn't want them knowing her identity And so she left the baby at the door of the fire station, thinking that someone would come out and maybe she rang the doorbell, maybe they were asleep, maybe she knocked on the door and ran off, I don't know. But what I do know is that this mother clearly wanted anonymity and she didn't get it. And now this baby died. Now, do we still have babies that are being surrendered by handing them to fire personnel and at hospitals? Yes, and we encourage women to do that, but if they won't, if they won't walk into a fire station or a hospital and hand their child to a person, we better have something set up and available and ready so that we don't have a baby in a dumpster or a trash can because she doesn't want to face someone. And so I, the more, the more I looked at the stats, I thought, can we put these boxes in these fire stations in these hospitals so that these women don't lay these babies at the doors of safe haven locations? And on the flight back from Cape Town, South Africa on a Delta napkin, As I'm dealing with the devastation of my birth mother passing, it was almost like a light bulb went off and and I found my purpose. And on this plane, on a Delta napkin, I, I hand drew my version of a baby box and then came back to the United States and started the uphill battle of building a box and getting people to trust that this box was a better option than a dumpster was. And that if a mother didn't want to walk into a fire station or a hospital and hand their child to a person and talk to them or or look them in the eye that if they couldn't do that, then then I was gonna give them another option. I took this, this napkin to a builder in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I said, I want you to build me a baby box. And he said, a what? And I said, a baby box? I'm gonna put these at fire stations. I'm gonna save some babies. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Now I look back and think, gosh, I probably did sound pretty crazy. Baby box has never been in America before. And he looks at me and he says, Well, I'll build you whatever
1: you want for $700. And you've been listening to Monica Kelsey tell the story of how she started Safe Haven Baby Boxes. And we tell stories about entrepreneurs starting businesses. And my goodness, entrepreneurs also come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and some form nonprofits and churches and other organizations designed not to make money, but to do good. And my goodness, the good Monica Kelsey is doing. When we come back, more of her story here on Our American Stories.
3: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time.
1: Then we return to Our American Stories and to Monica Kelsey, founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. When we last left off, she had just taken a sketch to a builder of her version of a baby box that she'd drawn on the back of an airplane napkin. Let's pick up where we last left off.
0: Little did I know that that was probably the easiest part of the entire journey, was handing over money to somebody to, to build me something. And Two weeks later, I had a prototype in my hand, which is very basic and there was no electronics and it was just the shell of a box. And I went to a a legislator and I said, hey, I want you to pass me a baby box bill. And he said, a what? And I said, a baby box bill. I'm gonna put baby boxes in fire stations and and save babies. And, And again, I get this deer in the headlight look like, has she lost her mind? Like, what is she talking about? And the more I told him about how many babies were being left at the doors of safe haven locations or in dumpsters and trash cans alongside highways, the more he understood my mission. And in 2015, we passed the very first baby box bill in America, in the state of Indiana. And then we started to install boxes the next year. So in April of 2016, we launched our very first baby box at my firehouse in Woodburn, Indiana. Two days later, we launched another box in Michigan City. But launching this organization and getting to where it is today did not come without heartache. It didn't come without pain. It didn't come without challenges. 30 days after I launched the very first baby box in America, it was two o'clock in the morning and we got called to a vehicle rollover party pinned. This is a high priority call for any medic, any unit. And I jumped into the ambulance and my driver jumped in and I'm trying to get my head in the game, trying to understand, okay, there's somebody underneath a vehicle, probably crushed. What am I going to need to do? What, what, what gear am I going to need to walk in to this scene with? And about halfway to the scene, I find out that it's my son and his best friend, and one is dead and one is alive. And as a medic, you're trained for every situation, even if you'd never think it's going to happen. I never thought I would ever work on someone I love. And so I arrived on scene, I didn't even grab any bags out of the truck, I just went running. And I totally forgot what I was there for. I I went into mom mode, not medic mode. And as I arrived on scene, I was the first on scene and I seen my son doing chest compressions on his best friend, Casey. He had blood dripping from his face, he had blood all over his arms. And as a mom, your first response is to check out your son. And I kept asking him, are you okay? And he kept saying, don't worry about me. I need you to save Casey, mom. I need you to save Casey. I worked Casey for 18 minutes. I put a helicopter in the air, but I could not save him. My son was at a high school graduation party where the homeowner bought booze. And my son decided to get into a vehicle that he didn't own, a Jeep four by four with his best friend on the windowsill of that Jeep. And they decided to do donuts in a 19 acre field while 50 kids were drinking alcohol nearby at a bonfire. And we all know that Jeeps are known for flipping over. Any sober person would know that. And those 50 kids, when this Jeep flipped and landed on top Casey, these 50 kids ran over and picked this Jeep up off Casey and then got in their vehicles and they took off. They thought they were going to get in trouble. So they left a dying kid on the ground. So when I got there, there was only two people there, which was Casey and JJ. JJ. After we called time of death, I walked over to my son, and I put my forehead to his forehead, and I said, Casey's gone. And the tears just started to roll. You know, as a medic, this is any medic's worst fear, but as a mom, this is an absolute nightmare. My son was placed in a police car and taken to a hospital. My husband is the mayor of our city. And so you can imagine the headlines in our community. Mayor's son kills best friend in drunken accident. 30 days after we launched the very first baby box in America, this is happening. My son was charged with OWI causing death, OWI with a blood alcohol of 0.085, and underage consumption. You know, I was very angry with what happened up until that moment of that crash and the decisions he made. But I couldn't be more proud of the man that stood up and took responsibility for his actions afterwards. He stood in front of a judge on sentencing day, pled guilty, looked at Casey's family, who adored him, who he adored, apologized to them, and then looked at the judge and said, I'm here to get my sentence. And he told him that he stood in front of him, a broken man that wishes every day he could take back that one decision he made the judge sentenced him to four years in the Department of Corrections. And they handcuffed him and they took him away. And I stopped installing baby boxes. Most people don't realize the trauma that comes with being a medic and a firefighter and working on someone that you love. But when, when it's you, it's devastating. So I took a six month leave of absence from the job and I stopped installing baby boxes and I tried to fix my family. I tried to be there for my son, visiting him every week in prison. Two months before he got out of prison, the very first baby was placed in a safe haven baby box in America. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's Christ's way of saying, Monica, it's time to start putting boxes in again. Your son is almost out. You've taken the time that you needed. Now it's time to get up and start moving and do your purpose. Do what I've put you here to do. And so a few months later, we installed a a third baby box in America. 18 months later, the very first baby was saved. And five months later, the second baby. Now my son goes into schools and talks about underage drinking and driving. I've taken what a horrible situation was to turning it into something productive, allowing Christ to use us to make something better for someone else. And every time my son speaks in front of an audience, I just sit back in awe of, of what we have accomplished. I'm from Indiana, so that's where we started. We were finding about two babies dead a year in our state from abandonment, newborn babies. We haven't found a dead baby since we launched Baby Boxes and we've had 25 infants in Baby Boxes since we launched. These women are getting the anonymity that they've been wanting. And we, we talked to these parents, some of them before they surrender, some of them after. Every story is different. The only thing that is the same is that these parents wanted the anonymity piece, and that's why they chose the baby box. When the Safe Haven Law was passed, it was to keep babies out of dumpsters and trash cans. It wasn't to force a mother to walk into a facility and give her medical care. That's not why the Safe Haven Law was enacted. If we can give her medical care, of course we wanna help her, but she can walk into a hospital a newborn can't. And so the safe haven law was passed to protect the newborn. And if we think that every person that wants to surrender is gonna walk in and go face to face with someone, we're kidding ourselves. That is why abandonments continue to happen year after year after year in places where baby boxes are not. But in every state that we have launched baby boxes, abandonments drop. When I met my biological mother, and I started to question my worth, the one thing that pulled me through was leaning back on my faith. You know, finding out that I was not only conceived in rape, but also abandoned at birth. If there was a picture of an unwanted child, my my picture would be on it. And so I had to pick up myself and find my worth. I fell back on my faith. And that was what my parents had instilled in me when I was growing up. Same thing with my son's accident. I went back to my faith. I I always look at myself as not the victim in this story. I I look at myself as a blessing and someone that received a gift. You know, meeting my biological mother, I could have said, "Nope, I am never telling a soul. I am never I'm never talking about this again." I don't I don't want people to know that my biological father is a rapist. I don't want people to know that I don't know my ethnicity. I don't want people to know that I was thrown away like trash. No, we all have a story and we all have pain. And taking those two and putting them together literally could change the life of someone that you may never even know. We now have 145 active boxes in nine different states. Women are utilizing these boxes. Women are trusting us Women are trusting me, and it, it really does feel empowering to know that these women are basically looking at me saying, I know you have it from here, and I trust you. You know, my birth mom's in heaven now, and I know she's looking down on me knowing that the child that she saved is now saving others. I was blessed to have been abandoned because I wouldn't have the life I have if I hadn't been.
1: And thanks to Katrina Hine for conducting the interview with Monica. And thanks, as always, to our own Madison Derricott, who did a terrific job on the production, editing, and storytelling. Thanks also to Monica Kelsey. Her book, Blessed to Have Been Abandoned, The Story of the Baby Box Lady, is available at Amazon or The Usual Suspects. To learn more about Safe Haven Baby Boxes or to help support their mission, visit shbb.org. And that's why we love to do faith stories here on this show, how it animates people to get through hard things. There are now nine states that have baby boxes, 145 boxes, saving dozens of infants' lives, all while protecting the birth mother's anonymity. Monica Kelsey's story here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh
2: my God,
3: At luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington, and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group, Voidware, created by law, 18 plus terms and conditions
0: apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for?